We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey, folks, welcome to the Dinesh D'Souza Show. Your eyes do not deceive you. I am Kyle Serafin. In for Dinesh, he is okay, but visiting on a family issue. And uh, I will be hosting for today and tomorrow. And thanks for joining me. Today, I'm going to have an interesting guest from an organization called Catholic Vote. I've heard more about Catholics in the news in the last two years than I probably have in the 42 years that I've been on the planet before then. We're going to discuss some of the desecrations of churches. We're going to talk about men dressing as women their interest in pretending to be nuns, what that's all about, some of the evil that it walks around. And I want to close up with some thoughts about some of the repetitive nature and a concept that's known as the illusory truth effect. If you're not familiar with this, if you don't watch my normal podcast, I encourage you to stick around to the end and find out what that means and how it describes the new cycle that you continue to see all around you. It might make a lot more sense of the madness and the propaganda that you are personally experiencing as you walk through the world. Stick around. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Folks, welcome to the show. I think you're going to want to listen to this for some information that you probably are not listening to every other place. This is kind of a deep dive on a concept that is troubling. One of the fundamental liberties in this country, in fact, the reason that America was founded was the ability to practice religion. Now, that also is the ability to not practice religion. But when we see our state and our federal officials attacking one specifically, we should always take note. There's some pretty ugly analogs in history about the state coming after specific religions. Now, in June of last year, some of you may remember there was a big controversy revolving the uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They had invited, because of their pride night, a gay pride night, a group of men who dress in comical costumes that look almost like geisha dancers that pretend to be Catholic nuns. Now, that's not really a prank. It's actually pretty hateful and disgusting because nuns tend to be some of the nicest people in the world, even if you grew up getting your knuckles wrapped by them in Catholic schools. Their intentions were good. A group called Catholic Vote pushed back against what these guys were involved in, and they raised an enormous boycott and brought a lot of flack, not because specifically uh, uh, Catholics were being attacked, but because something very fundamental to America, this concept of baseball being a family endeavor, and it was becoming a non-family endeavor. It was not family friendly. And having a bunch of men dressed as women is a sexual perversion. It is a fetish type operation. It has nothing to do. It has no place in the ballpark. Now, I tell you that as someone who grew up living and breathing baseball. I played baseball as a kid. My dad was a semi-professional baseball player. And he also turned out to be a radio broadcaster who was surrounded by uh, baseball to the point where he actually built a radio station, 1080 KRLD, inside the ballpark in Arlington when the Texas Rangers rebuilt their first stadium in the 90s. I've been around it a lot. 
And there's something very wholesome about the concept of baseball. We think of things like Field of Dreams, nothing more American than a man and his son having a catch, Kevin Costner, right? And the Shoeless Joe Jackson characters. There's something inherently American about baseball and to attack it with something that is utterly bizarre and fringe, like a bunch of men dressed up as nuns, it's both anti-American and I think it's actually anti-Catholic specifically, and, and calling them a hate group is appropriate. Now, in June of last year, there was this big controversy, and they're back in the news again today because one of their members, one of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, it's literally the opposite of what most sisters, they always have nuns of piety and the little sisters of the poor and things like this. They have names that indicate a virtue. Perpetual indulgence is the opposite of that thing. And we have one of their members, a guy named Adam Westbrook, who was just arrested for the sort of natural outgrowth of this kind of perversion, which is to say that he was abusing children. He found himself in a predatory way going to be a uh, musical director and a theatrical director in a middle school and a high school. And now he's in jail because they have documented evidence of him being involved in child pornography. It's a horrific story, but it seems to be a natural outgrowth of this sort of perversion if you make it mainstream. Now, I have no problem with men deciding to dress like women if they choose to do so. That's their business. That's what America is about. We can agree to disagree. But if we are forced to celebrate it, we're dealing with something that is not American because that's not a value that you can force on other people, particularly the fact that this is really a Christian nation at heart and we tolerate all the other religions. The minorities here are celebrated and protected, but that doesn't mean that we do it at the cost and ignoring of the majorities. It's important to know what this country is and what it is not and why it is here. And we're going to talk about that with a gentleman by the name of Brian Birch who runs Catholic Vote, one of the biggest groups that has pushed back both against this and about a recent desecration of the cathedral in New York called St. Patrick's Cathedral. And we'll get into those stories in just a second. So stay tuned for that interview. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. Today's podcast is brought to you by MyPillow and MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell and the folks at MyPillow, the employees there, want to thank you for all the listener support, the continued support of the business. And as a thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now. For the best prices ever, you can use the promo code Dinesh, D-I-N-E-S-H, and you'll get free shipping on your entire order. You get 50% off the MyPillow 2.0 and the just arrived flannel sheets. They won't last long. Get a six-pack of towels for only $29.98 and take advantage of free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers, 100% made in the United States for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have that same technology that the MyPillow bath towels have. They actually absorb things. Check out the dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more to get the best deals ever. Go to MyPillow.com. Again, MyPillow.com. Use promo code Dinesh. Don't forget the promo code D-I-N-E-S-H or call 800-876-0227 and get free shipping on that entire order while supplies last. MyPillow.com. Promo code Dinesh. Elections in Taiwan, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression. There's an awful lot of global instability as we plunge into this primary season. And what have you done to shelter your savings and your investments from a potential major setback to our economy? It's not too late to diversify. You can take an old IRA or you can take a 401k and move it into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. As opposed to many other investments, gold actually thrives in times of uncertainty. And it's an important part of diversifying your savings portfolio. Birch Gold can help you do that. They'll convert an existing IRA or a 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and it doesn't have to cost you a penny out of pocket. Just text the word Dinesh to 989898 
for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I can encourage you guys to arm yourself with knowledge about diversifying through precious metals. You might not just be holding on to brass and lead. Ammo's not going to get it done. If you want to check out the options you have with Birch Gold, text Dinesh, D-I-N-E-S-H, to 989898 and claim your free info kit today. Protect your savings with gold and Birch Gold. All right, I've got a nice, uh, interesting show for you guys today. The gentleman's name is Mr. Brian Birch. He's not a superhero, despite the alliterative, alliterative first name. I do have a lot of friends that have that kind of situation, but he is a uh, fantastic Catholic dad of many children, I think nine, and we're going to talk about anti-Catholic bias that is at an all-time high, I think, in this country. As 42 years on this planet, I've never seen anything like that, and so I want to kind of get into it with someone who knows a lot about it. The president of Catholic Vote, Brian Birch. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. Great to be with you, Kyle. Big fan. What a, what a good-looking background you've got hanging out there. You're in the Towering Heights. Are you in Chicago? I am in the uh, People's Republic of Chicago, uh, <laughs> thankfully, safely inside of uh, doors where hopefully uh, I can uh, stay a little safe. But no, yes, I'm in downtown Chicago today. No gunshots going to be echoing over the river, hopefully. Uh, let, let's you never about- know. Yeah, you never know. That's right. So let's talk about who you are as a person. Um, I, I There's an old song that I remember. They can tell that you're Christians by our love. Um, they can tell that you're Catholic by your children. Let's talk about being a dad of how many kids? Is it nine? I am not a father of nine. Thankfully, I married way above my pay grade and a big Irish Catholic family in Chicago I married into. And uh, I come from this uh, moderately large family by today's standards. I'm the oldest of six. We had nine kids, started with twins, and uh, God's blessed us. No, it's not the normal thing to do these days, but, uh, you know, wouldn't have it any other way. Let's talk about Catholic Vote as an advocacy group, kind of a quick history so people have an idea of what you are. I like to give people like a lens to, to taint whatever you're saying, and then um, then we'll get into some stories that are going on that are pretty bizarre as well. Catholic Vote, give it to us in a nutshell, if you would. Yeah, well, if any, uh, you know, observers realize uh, the Catholic Church is kind of a here comes everybody church. We got Joe Biden, Steve Bannon, Nancy Pelosi, Clarence Thomas. Uh, you can go down the list. Nice. I love the mug. Uh, <laughs> but we're a uh, diverse church, so to speak. Um, we're also a hierarchical church, which is you know 2000 year old institution that has some core principles, beliefs, doctrines, not that we just made up, but are based upon reason, science, natural law and uh you know, the church has the Pope, bishops and priests that do certain things. And then it has lay people. Um, those are people like us, people in the pews, people still going to church, people trying to uh, live a faithful life, uh, obviously, uh, uh, you know, and faithful to the gospel, faithful to what our church teaches. And when it comes to Catholic vote, um, we are in the public square trying to um, connect the dots, so to speak, for Catholics and for all Christians in terms of um, connecting the truths about what we believe to the various controversies of the day, whether it be electoral politics, whether it be in the courts, whether it be the L.A. Dodgers. And frankly, we believe that there needs to be a lot more um, passion and um, uh, show of force on the part of Catholics, because too often we're kind of told to be compassionate, to surrender, to lay down. And, uh, you know, Christ did love, but we have to uh, understand the true definition of love. Um, which is to will the good of others, to will their true good, not just to accept them and to affirm them even in their sin. You know, Christ said, go and sin no more. Um, and so we uh, are a, a large Catholic advocacy group, represent millions of Catholics around the country that want to see our country get better and want to see our church live more faithfully what we profess to believe. 
So people probably will recognize and people that follow me will know that one of the things that was my biggest sort of exposure to the public eye was the fact that the FBI, my ex-girlfriend, was uh, out there attacking what we call now uh, radical traditionalist Catholics, a made up term, people who like the Latin mass in the Richmond diocese. And then we found out through some of the work that Catholic Vote did that they were actually going after it in multiple areas, Los Angeles, Portland, um, Milwaukee, and so on. And, and suddenly this idea of the state coming after Catholics has kind of reared its head. And it seems like I've seen more sort of anti-Catholic bias in the last couple of years than I ever remembered in my entire life. And one of the big kind of pushes was this group that's called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Now, they're back in the news. Maybe give some background on what they are and why you guys are referring to them as a hate group. Yeah, well, that's um, just one example. And I'm glad you called attention to this. And by the way, I'm, we don't believe in divorce as Catholics, but the divorce that you had with the FBI is something I believe we would uh, <laughs> allow. Uh, but no, the, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, of course, are this uh, you know, 30-year-old fringe group of a bunch of dudes that like to dress up as nuns um, and get their, you know, kicks out of pretending that uh, they can be Catholic nuns and, you know, sexual deviants, frankly, at the same time. It's totally insulting. It's it, We call them blackface nuns because really what they are, which is they're mocking this profession that we have in the church of, of women who give their lives in service and charity to the poor, the vulnerable, to pray for the church and pray for the world. So they have emerged again last summer. Some of you remember uh, the L.A. Dodgers, for some reason, decided they were going to honor this group on the baseball field during their pride night. Uh, you know, all hell broke loose when we called attention to it. We called on the Dodgers to rescind the invite. Uh, they did do that. And then, of course, reversed course after the powers that be inside the gay rights movement threatened them. Uh, they ended up going uh, through with it, but they did so before the game began with nobody in the stadium and a quick, let's get this done and out of the way and hopefully sweep this under the rug. But I think if you recall, this incurred in the midst of this controversy over Bud Light and Target, where we believe, and I think um, m many kind of have now seen, that the pushback by people of faith and just decent people everywhere to this overreach on the part of the gay rights movement uh, whether it be the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence or then last week at St. Patrick's Cathedral. I mean, they are push, push, pushing, seeing how far they can get us again to be compassionate and surrender to their agenda. And uh, we, I think, had some success with the Dodgers. We actually met with the Dodgers, uh, I think, helped them to understand that this can never happen again. And I'm confident it will not happen again. But the the fact is there is a real and and present danger when it comes to um, the weaponization of our government um, connected with the rising cultural hatred towards all things Christian and specifically Catholic. I think I want to stick with this uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence because they end up outing themselves. You, you called it blackface. I, my wife and I talk about it being woman face, men dressed as women, and it's equally offensive as uh, pretending to be a race that you're not. And it's even worse, I think, when you're trying to pretend to be a religious figure when you're not. And you're obviously the antithesis of that. The, uh, this guy outed himself in uh, Wisconsin, I believe it's Wisconsin, his name is Adam Westbrook, and he is apparently one of these members of perpetual indulgence of this this fringe group you mentioned, and then he was just arrested for child pornography, possession of child pornography, production of child pornography, and the exploitation of children. How, does that, is that fringe? Is that an unusual consequence of this sort of behavior, or do you think it's uh, it's some sort of like a progression of the, of the ideology? Well, it's a set of a question, do you know the answer? Uh, this is a natural, it's a natural progression. I mean, it's a lifestyle defined by deviancy. Let's just call it what it is. The Catholic Church understands 
that they're God made us man and woman and gave us our sexuality rooted in nature, rooted in biology, rooted in science, follow the science. Um, we know that. Um, and this is a disordered lifestyle. And it emanates, of course, from all sorts of social pathologies and frankly, mental illness. It doesn't mean that we're out here judging and telling these people they're all terrible or all going to hell and we hate them. They do need help. Um, what they don't need is further affirmation around their deviancy. And I think this is one of the challenges that the gay rights movement has, which is they're not simply content to be left alone. Remember, uh, love is love. Just let us love the person we love. What's wrong with that? That's what we were told we were getting when we got gay marriage. Instead, they got that and they're not content with it. And part of the reason I think, and it's kind of an interesting theory I've come to, the worst thing that ever happened to the gay rights movement was gay marriage. And the reason for that is I think they get a lot of their um, excitement around being oppressed. Um, the lifestyle itself, it, lifestyle itself is contra civilization. It, 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 it thrives on people telling them that they're doing something wrong and they get their kicks out of that. And so what happens is the gay rights movement obviously has been normalized by establishing through a judicial fiat gay marriage, but that's not enough. They now have to push, push, push now into our churches, now into religious communities, people of faith saying, you have to accept us, not just accept us, but you have to publicly affirm, endorse, and now use your own liturgies and institutions to celebrate us. Otherwise, you are a bigot and you are a hater. And it's, of course, this is preposterous. Uh, the Catholic Church could never endorse this lifestyle or this, this way of life, not just because we're some you know, judgmental, moralizing church, but because we don't believe it's healthy or good for human persons or uh, uh, in the natural order of the way God made us or good for civilization, frankly. This is one of the points we tried to make to the Dodgers. We said, I, I don't think you're going to agree with us on all things um, gay rights and gay marriage. I, I get that. But we have to wake up to the fact that there is a proposal on um, or a proposition that the gay rights movement is putting forward, which is uh, to displace the natural um, traditional family, Western culture, organized religion, and to replace it with something wholly new that they can't really quite define yet. And that is anything goes except the old way. We need to now uh, wipe away civilization as we know it and replace it with some new secular order that's defined essentially by these pseudo identities and pseudo oppressor, oppressus, or oppressor uh, oppressed cultural Marxism that really is just a power play at the end of the day. And if you follow politics enough, you realize a lot of these so-called kind of identity wars are really just efforts to control people and to control what they think and control what they do. I want to get deeper into the idea that it was the worst thing that happened to them and also sort of the uh, the, the possibility that this is a, a negative feedback loop. Um, I have kind of a take on that, and I think we're going to explore that talking about what happened at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Brian Birch, who is the president of Catholic Vote, talking about some very disordered things that are going on in our society. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Balance of Nature. Here's a question for you. How do you feel today? I tell you I feel great, but I got five hours of sleep, so I don't know if I'm that. But one of the things that you can do to make yourself feel great is to make sure that you have Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule and getting the nutrition that you need. They have an amazing story of how the product was developed. It's done by a guy named Dr. Douglas Howard. It's all right there on their website. 
Balance of Nature receives over 1,000 success stories every single month. That's a lot, by the way. I get five-star reviews on my podcast. I don't get anywhere near that many. They're doing it right. They've got hundreds of thousands of customers who have purchased the billions of capsules, billions with a B, of their fruits and veggies over the past 20 years. And their products are gluten-free, they're non-GMO, they contain no sugars or synthetics. So if you're looking to feel better, naturally, you should definitely give Balance of Nature a try. In fact, you can order today. Now, whether you order online or call them direct, you must use the promo code AMERICA. And they've got a great phone number. I'm going to say it in just a second here. Use promo code AMERICA to get 35% off in the special offer. Call them at 1-800-246-8751. Again, that's 1-800-246-8751 using that discount code AMERICA. Or you can order online at Balance of Nature, all spelled out, balanceofnature.com. Use the discount code AMERICA for 35% off. Again, 800-246-8751. Discount code America or balanceofnature.com. Today's show is sponsored by Relief Factor. There's nothing worse than hearing about people who live in pain. I was a paramedic for over 10 years, and I'm telling you, people always want to tell me what their pains are. Not that I can do anything about it. That's why I'm going to tell you a story about Keith from Washington and his Relief Factor story. After years of activity, from college football to running to martial arts, this all sounds like it's about to be painful. At age 51, Keith's body felt like it was wearing out. 51 seems too young for that. So he gave Relief Factor a try, and Keith says, now he has little to no pain in knees and a reduced neck pain. Hmm, that feels much better. He's also pursuing his second degree black belt, so he's becoming a killer, wonderful. What a story when you know about a personal note. That's why it's worked for Dinesh, it's worked for Debbie, it's worked for my friend Seb Gorka, all kinds of family and friends. Try Relief Factor if you're living with aches and pains. See how Relief Factor functions for you. A daily drug-free supplement that could help you feel and live better every day. To get started, you simply go to uh, Relief Factor's three-week Quick start kit. It's $19.95, less than 20 bucks, and it comes with a feel better or your money back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. Try relieffactor.com. Again, that's relieffactor.com or call them at 1 800 4 relief. That's 800, the number four, relief or relieffactor.com. What do you got to lose except the pain? All right, and we are back with Brian Birch. He is the president of Catholic Vote, which is an advocacy group that I'm a big fan of. They may or may not have named me the Catholic Hero of the Year, or my friends call me the Catholic Prom King of uh, 2023. So I'm a little bit grateful to this group as well. But they're doing really good work. And one of the things that's going on, we talked about it just before the break, is this instinct of the LGBTQ movement to to seek negative reinforcement. Now, Brian, you got a bunch of kids. I've got less kids, but I have four kids. And a lot of what I saw that happened in New York, which I'm going to have you give some framing on, seems like a temper tantrum looking for that negative reinforcement. I'm curious if you'll reflect on it both as a father and then also as a Catholic who's out there in the advocacy space. Let's talk about what happened and maybe we can kind of get into the why. Yeah, well, of course, for those that didn't follow, the big group of trans activists, um, one of their icons uh, recently died and they wanted to have a funeral service. Uh, they could have done a private funeral service. They could have done a funeral service in some sort of secular building. But instead, they decided, let's do it where St. Patrick's Cathedral, one of the most iconic cathedrals in, in the United States for Christians, uh, for certainly for Catholics. I mean, a cathedral over 100 years old, built by you know poor Catholic immigrants, gave their life savings to build this essentially icon to God. Um, so they they approach the uh, administrators of the cathedral, tell them that they want to have this service. They obviously um, told the New York Times they withheld 
um, kept under wraps what their real plans were. Uh, we now have video of them in the days in the run up to the to the uh, service where they were laughing and celebrating how they had hid and deceived the church into what they were really going to do. So they packed the cathedral. You, you can imagine the scene, the glitter, the drag. Uh, they had fake icons to this this deceased um, man who they believe uh, called himself a woman. Uh, Cecilia was his name. Um, he was a prominent trans activist, a prominent sex worker, a Protestant. I'm a Protestant, a prostitute, um, and a um, a uh, avowed atheist. So you know, an avowed atheist trans. Uh, sex worker wants to have a religious service in St. Patrick's Cathedral, you know, um, try to figure that one out. Um, So they deceive uh, cathedral officials, they pack the place, uh, they uh, begin this just outrageous ceremony uh, where they're dancing in the aisles, uh, they're uttering expletives, they're changing the prayers, they they say from the lectern in church, um, Cecilia, uh, this, this whore, this great whore, uh, uh, St. Cecilia, whore of whores, which if anyone knows, it's a um, rephrasing of a, of a very uh, sacred prayer for Catholics. And so it was just outrageous. The, the presiding priest has to shut down what was going to be a mass, which I'm not even sure how that was possibly going to happen. They shortened the ceremony. Um, eventually, uh, the thing you know ends. And of course, the Cardinal Archbishop says, you know, he had no idea this was the plan. He has has ordered and has took place a massive reparation. So for those that aren't Catholic, this is a spiritual liturgy used to essentially cleanse the spiritual harm that has been done to this place. Um, and they, they desecrate, they use deception to desecrate one of Catholic's most iconic cathedrals. And I think they, they're really important here because this is not just like, oh, they tricked us into this. Um, we did some research and the New York hate crimes law is very specific. If you target a religious institution or a religious person and engage in a predicate act, in this case, criminal trespass, and criminal trespass, by the way, defined in their penal code is uh, to gain access to a public venue through subterfuge or deception, uh, that you actually triggers their New York hate crime statute. And we have a case, 1974, homosexual activists deceived CBS, got into their television studios and disrupted their broadcast because they didn't like the coverage that they were going to get. Uh, they didn't like the negative portrayal of the homosexual lifestyle. This is in the 70s, by the way. Um, so they were at it back then. But now it's not just CBS studios. They're coming into our churches. And we just announced yesterday we've called upon the New York Attorney General and the District Attorney, uh, Alvin Bragg, uh, to investigate whether or not there was indeed deception. And if so, whether or not this would trigger prosecution under New York's hate crime statute. Well, we both know they're not going to touch this thing. Um, but it's interesting because what are the New York Attorney General and District Attorney Bragg best known for right now? Selectively choosing to prosecute a former president um, under a statute that is not applied almost to anybody else. Uh, they There was no harm done. Uh, the banks that engaged in this so-called inflation of asset value made money. Uh, so no one was harmed in this. And yet over here, we have real harm. The Catholic Church being uh, uh, deceived and desecrated. And the question now is, does the law change based upon your political disposition or ideology? Because it sure seems to me if they don't act in this case, they're essentially treating different people differently based upon their political disposition.
I mean, that does seem to be the hallmark right now, though, of the last couple of years is that we've seen that with the DOJ on the federal level. And we see it at the state level as well in New York and some other places that based on your preferred outcome, the state is essentially weighing in on it. And, you know, that's why we see violations of what's called the FACE Act. Guys like Mark Hout, who showed up in Dinesh's movie and, uh, you know, were, were prosecuted for theoretically blocking the entrance to a clinic, although he was acquitted. Um we see that same sort of attitude. It's not like they're going after people that were desecrating churches. And I know Catholic vote has a pretty good tracker of, you know, desecrations and violence done and, um, and physical damage done to Catholic churches and pro-life pregnancy centers across the country. We're not seeing equal enforcement. I mean, what does that say about our country though? Well, it's exactly it. When you talk about the weaponization of the government, we have to talk more specifically. What, what are we actually talking about? And we're talking about the use of the most powerful agencies in our government, namely law enforcement agencies, to selectively choose targets and to go after them and to punish them for their political beliefs, and then to absolutely ignore when similar or similar laws are triggered when it comes to you know p- their political friends. And you're right to point out, most people don't realize, over the last four years, just this week, the 400th um, act of violence or desecration against a Catholic church occurred. We're talking about statues, heads being chopped off, uh, uh, Molotov cocktails being thrown into churches, glass broken, tens of millions of dollars in damage. It's happening almost on a weekly basis. And it's it's very strange for a movement that calls itself, you know, uh, 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 grounded in love. It sure seems to be uh, 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 kind of embody a lot of hate um, because it's not just violence. I call this this event in, in uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral uh, a spiritual insurrection. Uh, that it was a rebellion, not against flesh and blood, but against the sacred. And uh, I think this is exactly what it was. This is this is another kind of, I think, watershed moment for people of faith. We need to wake up and recognize what the other side is doing. They're on the march. They're on offense. And unless we stand up and say enough is enough, um, it's going to keep con- it's going to continue. And it's going to get worse. I want to I want to push you on a thought. I'm going to have you take off your Catholic vote hat for a second. Put on your dad hat. Uh, what does your dad hat say? World's okayest dad? Is that what we were going for generally? Uh, uh, let's see. It depends on the day, but you okay. know. So uh, potential dad of the year on any given day, potential okayest dad. When we think about this scenario, and you've raised teenagers, and uh, and I remember being a teenager and seeing the kids that got the nose rings when we were younger, mm. that got the earrings, got the tattoos when they were under the age of 18, and they lied about their age or whatever. A lot of this behavior to me that I'm seeing from this trans activist trying to take over a church, trying to step into a place and really prod people of faith to try to get that reaction. A lot of that says, why don't you notice me? And by the way, I'm looking for punishment. I'm looking for boundaries. And for some reason, our society refuses to give them. How much of this is a failure of us sort of as a society to put those parental type boundaries? Apparently, they didn't get them as kids. But maybe they mm. need them from the law. Like an Alvin Bragg would actually be doing an act of love. A Letitia James would be doing an act of love by showing them these are not appropriate behaviors in adult society. We can't exist. And by the way, your movement is also included. You can be treated like everyone else. That's real equity, is it not? Would it not be reasonable to give them that kind of left and right guardrail? Yeah, this is a really good analogy. I hadn't thought about it before. And I will put on my dad hat because you're right. Even children at a young age, they want to know what are the boundaries? What are the norms? Um, not because they want rules, but what they want is a sense of order. They want a sense of knowing that the world is stable, it's just, that it works. And 
the responsibility of both parents and then, of course, to, you know, escalate uh, the larger community and eventually government and eventually the federal government is to provide those boundaries to maintain order, to maintain justice, to maintain norms so that we we don't live in a chaotic world. If you get rid of law and norms and morality, it's just pure chaos. And it's not just, oh, that would be a terrible place to live because there'd be garbage and, you know, uh, robberies and everything. It's also psychologically destabilizing and, 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 and essentially is an attack on kind of what it means to be human at some fundamental level. And as you talked about there, I was thinking, you know, one of the things with teenagers when they push boundaries, and I was definitely a teenager who pushed boundaries. Now I'm just pushing them professionally, um, is what they're really saying a lot of times. And I, I, I get the sense this is often the case with some of the kind of gay rights, you know, overreach is please tell me I matter. I'm doing this because I want you to tell me that I mean something. And that's universal. We all want to matter. We all want someone to tell us. I want my kids to tell me that I as a dad matter to them. And I want what I'm doing in the world, whether it's in my work or whatever job you have, you want to, you want to know that it matters that if I die tomorrow, someone's going to miss me. Someone's going to come to my funeral. Um, but that my life has meaning and that has a purpose and, and I'm, I'm doing something to fill space on this earth that's going to make a difference. And I think that's probably true about a lot of the gay rights activists that it's, isn't just pure hatred for people of faith and what we believe, but it's this um, gaping hole that they have, whatever it might be where from a broken family, you should see the studies, many people who suffer with gender dysphoria and such come from families where the dad didn't exist, or they had a very bad experience with their father. Sometimes were abused or all sorts of things. I'm not going to try to, name one particular thing. The, our modern culture is filled with all sorts of pathological illness, uh, mental and otherwise. And I think the challenge here is to both provide boundaries. Yes, we must do that. We have to say no, enough is enough, but also to help affirm and to help people to understand that their lives do have meaning. They, they do matter, but not in the way they might think, that they don't need to express sexual deviancy and to find others to do that with them in order to, to um, you know, be recognized in the world as someone that matters. Give you two kind of reflections I had as I, and I have a slightly different take, and I, I think that's what makes this country great is that we can kind of see things in different ways. One of the nuanced ways that I saw this, this desecration of the St. Patrick Cathedral, which is by the way, beautiful. And if you were to look up the, uh, the Catholic Church in the United States, it's one of the things you find on Wikipedia. It's literally iconic in that way, that it is the representation for those in New York, but also for the country. And what I saw was two things, a lot about what you just said there, that um, I need attention, tell me that I matter, and negative attention is still attention. And that is a real sad moment. It's the worst kind of attention, but we do see that in children on a regular basis if they're not given the, the positive thing. And the second thing I saw was the abuse of someone who died, that they used that funeral as a, plan, a chance to try to desecrate a building. Now, is it a sacred building? Yes. Is it a sacred space? Yes. And can it be resanctified? Yeah. The building is not harmed by what they did. We're offended by it. But honestly, they probably did more damage to themselves and to the memory of their friend, if they claim to be a friend, doing that awful mm. thing and using that person to just posture. Um, it made me sad. It made me pity them more than it made me angry at them. And I often find that the people that I'm angry at, like my ex-girlfriend, the FBI, the way that the way that that agency operates, it starts with anger, but it, it very quickly moves to pity because I feel like the, the thing that they're doing is harmful to themselves and not just to me. And, and it's also harmful to our society. I'm going to pivot to one more thought. Um, Catholic vote obviously represents lay Catholics. You're not affiliated with the Catholic church specifically. 
as other Christians sit out there and they say, well, I'm not Catholic, so why does this matter to me? Can you kind of touch on why it matters to Christians at large or even conservatives in this country? Yeah, so just make clear, um, we are affiliated with the Catholic Church in the sense of we are believers, we are co-equal, baptized uh, participants. Obviously, we're not part of the ecclesial structure of the church, we're part of the the lay part, but very much not at odds. We're in full communion with the magisterium, as we call it, in the church. But to your, answer your question, it's because we're all in this together. Um, this is a great country founded not on the Catholic religion or on some particular Protestant denomination, but on the core truths that there is a God and we're not him, and that we are all made in his image. And to your point, um, we were just talking about if we matter um, and we're looking for our meaning and purpose, um, then it can't just come from our sexuality or our oppressed status, our identity. We believe, and I think there's a political connection here, it's what our Declaration of Independence said, is that we matter because we were made in the image and likeness of God and we are given rights by a creator God. And the purpose of government and the purpose of society uh, is to protect and defend and to, um, and to uh, help um, ensure that, that those truths are, can be lived out in the, to, the, um, to the fullest extent. And, you know, it's it, this is not a Catholic thing. I think we all sense this. Um, it, it's uh, the the attacks are coming. Um, Catholic churches aren't the only ones, by the way, being desecrated and attacked. Um, they're just easy targets. Um, you know, many hundreds of, of of Protestant churches are are undergoing the same sort of threat. And these core truths. You know, remember what the word Catholic means. The definition of the word Catholic is universal, and we're not talking about. You know, making sure everyone can believe in the Immaculate Conception. We're talking about core universal truths that apply to every single human person that are accessible to our common human reason. And until we um, recover and, and, and essentially renew that idea of America, our country is in peril. And there's no getting around that fact. And either we all stand together or we're all going to fall. And the, the kinds of country that our kids, my kids, my nine kids are going to have to live in is not a place I want. I want them to grow up in. And so I, I think about them. I think about the country that, that my parents gave me and my grandparents gave me and people in, that you know that have fought and died and sacrificed for this great, unbelievable um, experiment in, in democracy, um, experiment in liberty. And if, if we don't stand up as Christian people and understand there's a fundamental connection here, we're not some appendage to the, to the political idea of America. We are the foundational um, piece of it. Um, and we're going to, uh, rise or fall together. I think there's a, there's an awful lot of truth in that. And it also seems like the backswing has already begun and many people are probably seeing that right now. That's why we have some of this, this, uh, acting out on that other side. Uh, Brian, what is the easiest way for people to get more information about Catholic vote or where the, you like people to follow you guys? What, what's the best way to do that? Well, everyone on social media, obviously Catholic vote, uh, catholicvote.org is a website. The biggest thing people love about us, we do a morning email called The Loop. Uh, Kyle's been in it a number of times. And uh, about 700,000 people read it every morning. Um, sign up. It's free. Gives you kind of the key news of the day for Catholics and, and Christians. Um, a little bit of, of Catholic uh, spirituality. Uh, but people seem to like it. Uh, it's a good way to keep up with what we're doing. And also, obviously, keeps you updated on things like uh, New York and the Dodgers and all the other kind of fights 
skirmishes we find ourselves in. So would love people to keep track of us there. Catholicvote.org slash loop. I will tell you that my friends who are not Catholic who read the loop tell me that it is the single best news aggregator that they get, that they've looked at AP and wire services and Reuters and all the best. And, uh, and Catholic vote does the best one with the loop. Um, and they, like I said, not Catholics, but former FBI agents to keep track of what's going on in the world. So it is a very good one. We can, we can shamelessly plug that. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. And thanks for participating in outbreeding the evil that's in this country by, uh, like putting a bunch of babies in the world. I wish I had, uh, had started earlier so I could try to keep up with you, but I think I'm going to lose that race. Anyway, thanks so much for joining me, buddy. Thanks a lot, Kyle. Honored to be with you. <laughs> Folks, there are so many reasons to start a weight loss program, the least of which is the sooner you start, the sooner you start winning on that one. You can't think of a better reason to put it off. There's no better reason. This is a wild year, and you want preparation to be part of it. It doesn't matter what you're preparing for. Financially, you also want to prepare for it with your health. You want to get down to your fighting weight in case this country gets strange and scary. Make sure you're calling PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition today. Here's the phone number. You ready? It's 864-644-1900. Pretty easy to remember. There's a lot of sixes and fours. 864-644-1900. Get started today. Or you can go online, and it's all spelled out, My phdweightloss.com. Again, mypHDweightloss.com. I hope you appreciated that conversation. Uh, Brian is one of those really great guys in this country. I want to talk about something a little bit different. I want to kind of tweak your brain. I want to add you, uh, give you a technique to be able to identify. Many of us know that the mainstream media, the opposite of what we're doing here, independent media, is propaganda. But the mechanisms of propaganda are not always pretty obvious to those of us unless you actually have studied marketing and advertising. And one of the things that happens is we see this deep-seated inability to dislodge bad and false ideas from those who don't agree with us. And some of us are really confused by that. So I've been looking into it. I've been very curious. Why is it that when things that are demonstrably false are propagated, why is it so hard to shake them loose? And that happens on the political left and on the political right, for what it's worth. I came across a paper, it's an academic paper that's entitled, The Effects of Repetition Frequency on the Illusory Truth Effect. That's a lot of words. So I'm gonna break it down. The abstract essentially says this, and this is the most critical part. Repeated information is often perceived as more truthful than new information. Let's try to digest that for just a second. Repeated information, when something is repeated, you know, like you see the newsbuster clips where they keep saying the same word. The most recent one I saw was talking about how the treatment of Joe Biden in the special counsel report was gratuitous. That was the word used over and over again by a dozen plus sources in the mainstream news. MSNBC, CBS, ABC, CNN. They're all saying the same thing. It was a gratuitous treatment calling him an elderly man with a poor memory. How do they all come up with that name, that word, gratuitous? It turns out it's actually a programming method, and it's incredibly effective. You'll listen to some of the advertisements in this program itself. In any of the programs you listen to that are effective at conveying a message, what do they tell you? They repeat the promo code. I'll repeat them. I'll repeat the phone number. I'll repeat the website two to three times minimum. And most of the studies that are out there have actually illustrated that three times is the minimum number of repetitions for us to be able to take hold of the idea. But this study went a little bit further. What it did is they took several trivial statements and they repeated them nine to 27 times and then evaluated people after the fact to see whether or not that stuck as something they believed to be true. 
Now, there's an inherent human concept of illusory truth effect. What that means is, is that we have a processing fluency. When you see something more and more, we are more inclined as human beings. We're biologically programmed to believe that that is the truth. It's just the way that it works that when you see it regularly, you are now going to interpret that as accurate. And then it becomes harder and harder to dislodge. There's some additional things that play here as well. You may have heard of the term sunk cost fallacy. This is the other sort of brother of this idea. The illusory truth effect plays along with the sunk cost fallacy. Not only have I heard it and digested it, and now I have this instinct biologically to believe that it's accurate. Now I'm going to commit to it. And God forbid I say something about it out loud in public where people are going to hold me accountable. Now I've actually sunk cost into it. I have personal capital associated with this idea. And when it's proven false, I'm going to give you a great example, Russia, 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 that hoax was deep-seated on the political left's aim to the point where we are still hearing it today. We are still hearing people talk about it, despite the fact that in the words of the Durham report, it was completely debunked. There was no collusion found between President Trump and the Russian government. That doesn't stop people on the political left from holding on to it. And there's probably some great examples on the political right where we do the same thing. One of the most dangerous things we can do is realize that, uh, you know, have this propaganda, but not know that it's coming at us. And so one of the things that I like to do on my own personal podcast is we like to dissect the mechanisms by which we are being lied to, which we all sort of have this instinct of, and try to actually debunk the lies that are coming at us by listening for that repetition. It's a great opportunity for you to expose propaganda. The one thing that's really hard for propaganda to do is to be effective when you know, in fact, that it is propaganda. So calling it by its name and having that tool in your belt is something that I always encourage people to do. Look beyond basically the the words narrative and try to find, are there some underlying studies, particularly in academia, because God knows the political left seems to value credentials and they love to handle uh, people who have these, these um, pieces of paper that give them credibility. Their argument to authority is what you would call it. They love to see that. And so use some of this against them by just asking simple questions. The easiest way, by the way, to debunk this illusory truth effect is done through the Socratic method. And if you're not familiar with it, it's simply asking questions. You don't actually have to tell people the answer because they'll come to it themselves and then they'll experience this last concept I wanna drop on you, which many of you are familiar with. It's called cognitive dissonance. You can create that by simply asking questions. And as we talked about that foundational discussion today with Brian Birch about what it means to be in this country and what the important values are that are fundamentally American, I'll ask you this. Whenever you deal with somebody on the political left, when you talk to somebody who is an avowed leftist, who is a social Marxist, who holds these ideas that are contrary to either Christian values or generally conservative values, the simplest thing to ask them is this, where did your values come from? And inevitably, the answer is always going to be what you think it is. Just let it sit in them. Let them sort of marinate in this problem. Because if you ask a Marxist why they think the poor have value, and you ask a Marxist why it is that uh, that every single person has worth, the real answer goes back 2,000 years. It goes back to a Christian heritage, which was the first major world religion that looked around and said that people who don't have money, who don't have power, who don't have status— actually still have that spark of divinity. They are made in the image and likeness of the creator. That's a really important concept. And it's the reason why the founders of this country actually wrote the documents that they did. 
but let them come to that on their own and let them debunk their own illusory truth that they've basically gone on and digested that processing disorder that they've taken on. Let them have a moment to have that cognitive dissonance where those two ideas butt into each other. And basically one day they'll wake up and either they'll have the truth or they'll have a migraine for the rest of their life. Either way is kind of a win. They'll be less effective at arguing against you. Folks, I hope that you appreciated that. If you guys want to follow what I do, you can find me at rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. I do a podcast five days a week where we talk about commentary. We get into all kinds of deep topics of civics. And also, why is it that we are seeing the world the way that it is? Again, kyleserafin.com is my website, and you can find the podcast at rumble.com slash kyleserafin. I appreciate your attention today. I will join you tomorrow, and we'll have an interesting discussion about some of the issues in law enforcement right now and how some of these these DEI-type agendas are making it almost impossible for basic street cops to do the job that we all pay them to do and we all hope they're going to do and maybe what we can do to kind of support these guys that are that are protecting us. That so-called thin blue line is the reason why I wear this shirt. The last line is, in fact, that line between civility and anarchy, and we'll be talking about that tomorrow. I'll see you guys then. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com.